Welcome back to the Word Bold Podcast, where we chat with the leaders in commercial real estate to answer all questions space as a service. This podcast is for anyone involved in commercial real estate in any way. If you're an investor, a fund manager, developer, property manager, agent, or broker, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. I'm your host, Caleb Parker, and in this episode, we learn about the future from another publicly listed office customer. Darren Graver from Wise, formerly TransferWise, joined me to share how his team has recently repurposed their offices for post-pandemic working. We learn about Wise's flexible working policy and why companies should embrace working from anywhere, including some tips for those leaning in this direction. We also hear why Darren still believes in the workplace, but how he expects work from anywhere to impact corporate real estate portfolios. He gives us a peek inside his mindset for creating dynamic workplaces, including his, what I like to call, scientific process. Yes, we talk about tech and data, but one quote that stood out to me was, all of this is just a hypothesis. As always, if you have any questions or feedback on this episode or topics you want covered, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Caleb underscore Parker or DM me on LinkedIn. I should have started this intro by saying bonjour because I'm currently hashtag WFA in South France. And by WFA, I mean working from Antibes, of course. Actually, I'm on holiday, but because I'm passionate about my work, I still get some shit done. But if you follow me on social media, you probably already know that. Can you imagine the days of not taking time off because your work could only be done in one place? Jeff, let's get this episode started. See vous play. Welcome back to the Work Bold Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Parker, and today I'm joined by Darren Graver, Global Workplace Lead at Wise, a publicly held fintech company listed on the London Stock Exchange. You may know them by their former name, TransferWise, or maybe their bold campaigns for greater transparency in banking. And by bold, yes, I'm referring to a 2014 campaign that saw a naked mob march on London's financial district and protest at hidden charges. I've been a fan and a customer myself for about seven years now. Since their founding in 2011, the London-based fintech company is a fast-growing customer of the office industry. Darren is responsible for designing and executing the company's global workplace strategy across 21 offices. On a day-to-day basis, Darren incorporates industry-leading practices, including the design of future workplace environments, introduction of workplace technology, program, and change management. Prior to his role at WISE, Darren managed the end-to-end real estate process for global life sciences company Abcam while executing on their global corporate real estate strategy to support organic and acquisition growth. This required partnering with senior business area leaders in IT, HR, finance, facilities, design, communications, and influence stakeholders all the way up to the C-suite. Darren is regularly engaged in the Future of Work conversation on LinkedIn. Be sure to follow him. And recently reopened the sixth floor of the Wise London office following a full refurbishment that focused on inclusivity, ergonomics, sustainability, well-being, and flexibility. Welcome to the Workable Podcast, Darren. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Caleb. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you. I, I know we've traded some LinkedIn dialogue and your work from anywhere mentality like I appreciate, but obviously there's been a lot of headlines in the press over the last 18 months. It's been a big ordeal with the pandemic, but glad you came on to talk to us because I you know, want to talk about Wise's policy going forward. But before we do, what was Wise's flexible working policy pre-COVID in the BC days before Corona? I love it, BC. The simple answer is we didn't actually have one. There are a number of sort of informal arrangements that existed within the organization, but actually we didn't have anything really, really concrete. We tend not to use the word policy, we tend to use guidelines. But I think what's actually really interesting is when you look at the survey data that we did with our employees over the last 12 months or so, 80% of our employees, or as we call them, wisers, are in the office five days per week. 
So it's actually a really large subset of our employee base who are going into the office on a daily basis. And then juxtaposed to that, when you look at kind of future behaviors and what they expect to do moving forward, actually 80% of our employees want to come into the office zero to three days a week. So there's a real shift. 80% zero to three days per week is their preference. Yeah, that's right. Moving forward. Yeah, ex- exactly that. And you guys are, are going to accommodate that. Yeah, we definitely will. And we have a new model that we rolled out back in November last year. So essentially, we'll be allowing our employees to work from the office two to three days a week and then work from home two to three days a week. And then on top of that, they can work 90 days remote anywhere in the world in a one year period. And you know, this is kind of new. It's kind of challenging. I think we got very used to being in person pre-COVID or BC, as you call it, Caleb. I think we got very uh, used to that. And then when COVID happened and we all uh, went to uh, working fully remote and being in our own houses, we all got very used to that. So there was this situation where people were on a very level playing field. And now suddenly we've got to figure out like hybrid working. It's it's a mixture, right? It clues in the word. That brings its own set of challenges. And the other thing we're also moving towards as well, or moving away from, should I say, is is one-to-one assigned seating. So we're no longer going to have a dedicated desk for each of our employees. And we're also not going to have capacity within our office spaces to facilitate our total headcount because it just doesn't make sense. Like you called out, right? 80% of our employees want to come in zero to three days a week. So we're really thinking about how we fine tune that. Well, you know, it's interesting how you're giving your team members the ability to work from anywhere 90 days out of the year. And I guess that sort of goes into the mindset of your business and you're helping remove the borders around the world for currency, or maybe that's the wrong word from your marketing speak, but at least you're helping people work with anyone anywhere, so to speak. So now you're applying that to your own workplace policies. But I'm curious from your perspective and all these learnings that you've had, what in your mind are the biggest benefits to working from anywhere or rolling out hybrid policies? Yeah, it's interesting you talk about, um, I kind of like calling it workplace without borders, given that plays on our, on, on our marketing But I think what's been really interesting is since launching our hybrid working model in November last year, actually, we've seen over 21,800 remote working days. So i.e. that is employees working from anywhere in the world outside of their home office country. I'm a London based employee. So that's me working outside of the UK, which since November, I think is just staggering. I think that really shows the appetite that there is for this. So I think that, yeah, for me, that speaks volumes. And I think what's really driving that is, is choice and flexibility. For many people, it's about a better quality of life. You know, before COVID, I started doing a bit of martial arts and then COVID struck and, you know, everything got closed. Now, actually, I have uh, the trainer come to my house and I finish work and then I'm able to literally start training. So, you know, things like that have made logistics immeasurably easier. I also think for why certainly like we have a really diverse multicultural workforce. And so many um, of our employees are living in countries where their families aren't based. Uh, And so being able to allow them to work from anywhere means they can go home and spend really valuable time with family members that they otherwise wouldn't be able to do or they would have to take as annual leave. So it's really cool to be able to offer that flexibility time. And then the other side of it for us is this about empowerment. We work very much with a philosophy of autonomous teams. So we empower our teams to make decisions. We empower them to decide what problems to solve. And this really, our work from anywhere, our hybrid working model is really just an extension of that. People say to me often, they're like, oh, like, how do you mandate it? Like, how do you ensure that people are coming in two, three days a week or people are working from home three days a week? And and that's not how we operate. 
it's about each team being able to make the decision that's right for them and right for our customers. Uh, and I think that's super important. I think the minute you start getting into kind of dictatorial position, you see what happens to people like Apple and it doesn't work so well. So yeah, we're super big on empowering our teams to make decisions that's right for them, right for our customers. And then largely it just helps with talent attraction too. I think that's a fairly obvious one, but worth calling out nonetheless. I was going to call it out. I was curious if you've seen any benefits from this new policy in regards to talent attraction? I don't think necessarily tangible per se, but I, I do certainly think that people like it and they get excited about it. And certainly when I'm speaking to candidates about roles in, in, in my team, it's always one that piques their interest and they get excited by it. So without doubt, I think it's a really nice benefit. Has it had massive tangible impact right now? I'm not sure, but, but yeah, it's certainly a value add without doubt. It's interesting. And, you know, we talk about Workplace without borders. I love that phrase you use. I'm going to start using that myself. That workplace without borders and letting people work anywhere and empowering your people, it's a massive culture shift. And it begs to be seen whether most companies can make this culture shift or not. Hopefully they will. But you obviously still believe in the workplace because even yesterday you posted about your new London office being reopened and some of the changes that you've implemented there. So I'm wondering if you could talk about that as well. Yeah, I think what's really important to call out um, on this topic is that everybody's different, right? There's no one size fits all. Every organization is at different maturity levels, it's at different places in its growth. What's right for a startup is going to be very different to what's right for a publicly listed company or Fortune 500, for example. So you can't take this sort of blanket approach. And one of the things I'm really quite passionate about is thinking about the younger generations. I think often there's a danger that those who are in more senior positions tend to be longer in service and therefore sometimes overlook the needs of those who are younger. And certainly when you're a younger member of staff living in often larger cities, take London, for example, is one you mentioned, actually having access to space at home can be quite difficult. Rents are very high. You, you might be house sharing. There might be a lot of distractions. So it's really important to be able to provide that space that people can go and work from, not only for productivity, but I'd also think for mental health too. And that's certainly a theme that I think you know, we're hearing a lot of in, in the market. And I'm super passionate about those topics. But I do think the workplace has to change. And I think we really have to move to viewing the workplace much more like a product. I think historically, again, I'm going to use your phrase here, BC before COVID, I think the process was much more static. It was very much design a space, build it and operate it. And it was like, if it doesn't work once it's operated, okay, our lease expires in five years, we'll perhaps look at it then. Where I think now we need to embrace much more of a dynamic feedback loop in, in what we do and become more iterative in our approach to, to design. I agree with everything you just said, and I think we need to be changing the way we think about the workplace and putting the customer at the center of the universe. I've said that many times before, and it can't be just a white box that we hand over. So from your perspective, how do we create dynamic workplaces? Yeah, and I think customer centricity is super important. Like my team are really moving to looking at MPS, for example, as one of our key KPIs. But to answer your question, I think the reality is nobody has all the answers. And that's just me um, laying my cards out on the table and being totally transparent. I love the reference from Ed Catmull, the founder of Disney Pixar. Uh, and he does this book called Creativity Inc. And he talks a lot about failing fast. And I really love that as a principle because I think that's what we need to embrace as workplace professionals. We need to be able to be comfortable with that mentality of, of failing fast and learning from those mistakes and then adjusting and going again. No one's expecting us to know it all. And none of us are experts. And for me, like right now, all of this is a hypothesis. 
Like we have to be bold, excusing the pun, in workplace and experiment. And I think that as leaders, our responsibility is to create a safe environment for our teams to be able to do that. And what I'm really excited about is thinking about how you can use technology and then like modular furniture solutions to create this like demand-led space. I, I think that's the future for me. Imagine if you could look at a four-person meeting room and see that it's only being used by two people. And suddenly you could adapt that modular meeting room to become two separate two-person meeting rooms. And suddenly your utilization goes up. Uh, imagine if you could see that you had four phone booths and they're all 100% being utilized. But then down on another floor, you've got two phone booths and they're only being 50% utilized. Suddenly you can move one from one floor to the other and meet demand in like hours and minutes rather than months and years. And I think this comes all the way back to that customer centricity. Like you're creating an awesome experience for your customer by meeting their demand and meeting it quickly. And I think we've all got used to that speed, fast food or, or Instagram. We're, we're all very um, adapt to getting things quickly and on demand. Uh, and with products, it's, it's no different. 100%. On demand wins me over every time. I just tweeted this out a couple of days ago, uh, about a week or so ago. I used Uber seven times in 24 hours. On demand wins me every single time. But first, let me say, I don't mind the bold pun. You can use bold puns anytime, any day you want to, Darren. <laughs> but I, what I really like what you just said is all of this is just a hypothesis. That is, that to me, that's fantastic. And it just describes the dynamic workplace that you talked about earlier. And that A-B testing, using modular furniture, the different layouts changing, amazing. And we're looking at that on our end as well. We're rolling those those systems out. But I'm, I'm curious, and for the audience listening today, what sort of technology are you deploying to make all this work? Yeah, and it's interesting with the, you just talked about agile furniture. I think one of the really cool things I saw just recently was desks with battery packs on. That's awesome. Like you can actually just move around desks without having to worry about where your nearest PowerPoint is. That's pretty exciting. But in terms of like proper hardware supporting dynamic workplaces, I think sensors are really the future here. Being able to get that passive real-time data. And what I mean by passive is like not having to ask people to do things to capture data. So not having to ask someone to book a desk, for example, to get the desk utilization data. I, I think that's really exciting. And WISE, initially, we started off with entry-exit sensors. So we've installed those across our global hubs, and that really helps us to understand occupancy and utilization, both at a building level, but also at a floor level. And the data and insights we're getting out from that is, is awesome. Where I think the future is going is much more to open area-based sensors. So you begin to get that cameras. No, without cameras. This, this is the key thing, right? So it's open area sensors, but they don't have cameras. I think anonymity is like super important. Like you can't make people feel like they're, they're being tracked. Like, oh, Caleb got up from his desk and went and made a coffee and then got back to his desk and he spent three minutes making a coffee. That's, that is not the future. I think, yeah, I think you can do this by being anonymous and by being really discreet here is where it is an exciting space and starting to get that macro view of like different space typographies. So for example, can you derive like custom desk sharing ratios by team just by looking at the utilization of their neighborhood, the workstations in their neighborhood? I think that's really exciting. And that's where me and my team are, are headed right now. We're just in the process of doing some trials around this. And yeah, back to that hypothesis and being bold, right? We're experimenting in, in that space. And we would love to be able to tailor our desk sharing shows by team. And I think that's key for any workplace strategy. In terms of other more software-based products, I think there's space for like hybrid scheduling tools as well. So something here where you can see when your teammates are going to be 
in the office, where they're going to be sitting in the office if you want to like work together on, on solving a problem. I, I think there's definitely ways to shortcut that and, and make that a, a more seamless experience for those people who want to use the physical space. Because are you seeing, you mentioned the word teams, are you seeing that when people are choosing to come in for those two or three days a week, are they coming in to work with other people and collaborate or are they doing sort of their own little getting out of the house and they just need a different environment or what's driving it for your teams it's a mix of both actually but i think certainly if you look at like our product or engineering focused teams they are more around coming together as a group and working together as a collective and we have like various planning cycles through the year where we look at what problems we're solving and how we're going to develop the product and they that's a big collective effort of coming together so yeah that's super important to be able to provide that space and that flexibility for teams to be able to do that so yeah it's a mix of both so i'm going to give a shout out to chris early who's a veteran of the workbook podcast as well i know he's a friend of yours over at telefonica he and i were talking recently about his favorite topic, the midweek mountain and managing that midweek mountain. If people have choice, they're all going to come in on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Nobody's going to be there on Monday and Friday, but we're going to have overcapacity on those days they all come in. So how do we manage that? And I'm curious to get your opinion on this. What we talked about, one solution is giving everyone the ability to know who's coming in and everything, when and where, but booking the spaces in advance, but then giving an artificial budget so not a real monetary budget, but giving a budget to each team that they can spend and having certain days cost more from those credits than others. And that way that you can manage that midweek mountain. What do you think about that? Wow, I like it. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, I was talking about looking at the data from our sensors, like the data looks like a Toblerone bar, right? Like it's properly triangulated. Mondays and Fridays are without considerably lower in terms of occupancy. I think we've started pretty basic. We've started just with offering food on days that are quieter. That's where we're headed. Food, food's a great a great driver of getting people into the physical space on different days. I guess that's um, sort of a, its own currency, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah. It's a currency of types. So that's certainly helped. I think there's also a space for AI help helping to solve some of this problem too. Like when we think about space and space needs, sometimes I think actually it's just about reshaping the spaces that teams have within the building. So for example, one team's underutilizing their area, one team's overutilizing. So if you can dynamically reschedule that and replan that, you can almost solve for those peaks and troughs in terms of, of needs. That's one area where I think there's, there's some opportunity without doubt. I also think if we're going to go blue sky here with your uh, with your budgeting uh, and cost approach, I would love to see some sort of new way of leasing space where you can literally do that. So like you're almost paying per use, but it's like on a traditional style lease. Imagine if you could almost forecast how many people were going to come in and just keep tweaking and adjusting the space based on that. I want to explore that just briefly for, for a moment because I love this idea. And I know there are some operators out there that, uh, and I'll just give a shout out to Liam Doe over in Southampton. He's got the old bond store. And what he does is he gives people membership to, to the space, but they get charged by the minutes that they use it. So if they use 20 minutes one month or a thousand minutes the next month. So they pay as they go, basically. Then I'm just thinking, all right, this might lead into my next question here as well. So bear with me. But as more and more people are choosing to work anywhere and working from home two or three days a week and coming into the office ad hoc. I'm assuming that's going to have an impact, or maybe I shouldn't assume, but is that going to have an impact on your real estate decisions? It will work from anywhere, impact corporate real estate portfolios. But I'm going to just add on to that question. There are ways to lease space or to procure space on an ad hoc basis that way, as you're describing. Will that impact where you go and where you take space? 
Wow, that's a huge question. How long have we got? So I'll, I'll start with the first question in terms of the impact that working from home has on, on portfolios or working from anywhere. I think, again, this is this is different for every organization. You're going to get bored of me saying this. There's, yeah, it, it is different for, for every business. I think there's some organizations out there that are using COVID as a bit of a scapegoat for offloading space. And actually, I think this is more about the wider corporate real estate problem in terms of not understanding how space is being used. And I think without doubt, we'll see a trend. There'll be a greater focus on this moving forward. People just lease space without really knowing how their space was performing in the past. And at least I hope to see change here. I, I read this crazy stat the other week, and it said we're adding the equivalent of New York City to the planet every 34 days. It's just nuts. It's, it's crazy. And I'm thinking about the next generation and the impact this has on the environment for the next generation. Like, I want the planet to still be here. But getting away from the philosophical side of things, I think it all depends on headcount growth, too. You know, it's like you hear these people saying, oh, I've got a, an office space for 400 people, but only 50% of my headcount coming in. But I'm going to hire like another 400 people in the next few quarters. Maybe I should downsize space. And it's like, no, no, no. You've got less people coming in, but you're adding headcount. So you've got to facilitate for that, that growth as well. I know it's different for every organization. Some organizations' headcount is far more static. But yeah, you've got to bear that in mind. And certainly at WISE, that's a challenge that we face on a regular basis. Like our headcount has grown like over 500 employees since the start of this year. So that's always a challenge for us personally. But I think in terms of the makeup of space and, and the physical design, I think we'll see more push towards activity-based working. And, and that's a trend. It's been around for years before the, before the pandemic happened. Well, I think it's giving people the choice of spaces. Um, so things like quiet libraries, if you want to do heads down work, individual focus space, you know, things like phone booths, for example, are going to become increasingly popular as people collaborate. Maybe they're in the office and then someone's at home or working uh, away remotely. And that's hybrid working at its core. And I think we'll also see the introduction of virtual collaboration tech feature a lot more. I think we'll see the development of those products expedited far quicker than we would have done if COVID hadn't have happened. And I'm talking there, the likes of things like Captivo and Miro uh, and other products like that, they're, they're really pretty much leading the way in, in this space. And I saw this week that Facebook is doing some sort of virtual reality uh, tool as well. So yeah, without doubt, we'll see more growth in, in, in that market. In terms of landlords and, and, and looking at it more holistically from a, a real estate perspective, I do think we'll see more like amenity rich offerings without doubt. I think that people have got very used to that idea of being able to do their hobbies from home or be able to take their children to nursery or to school. And yeah, those habits have become the norm for them now. So landlords have got to adapt to that. But I do honestly think that the corporate real estate space is ripe for further disruption without doubt. Yeah, and what, what I'm hearing from you is that the future is a lot more dynamic. The future of commercial real estate is a lot more dynamic. You want to be able to procure the space that you need, where you need it, for the time you need it, and be able to scale up and down. And I think that makes sense to me, and that is the future. Everything is on demand. Why isn't office space? So – Look, we can probably have our own podcast just on what that should be, but we, we'll stay away from that because I appreciate everyone's time today. I do have one final question for you before we get into the quickfire round. I wondered if you have any advice to others moving towards a work from anywhere policy. There's a lot of news out there and there's a lot of people sitting back waiting. What advice do you have? Yeah, sure. I think I've got a couple of bits really. Start from a foundation of data. Like you need data to drive a strategy and you need data to drive decision making. So start with data and, and get that right, whether that's occupancy, utilization, whether that's even just engaging with your employees. I think things like surveys and focus groups are really important because it shows you're listening and it shows that you care. So that would be my first top tip. The other one is don't be a sheep. 
And like I say this again, every company is different. If we had all followed the headlines like last year, we'd all be fully remote. Now, whilst that might work for some organizations, it doesn't for others. We're all different. We've all got different business models. And we all operate in different ways. So yeah, think about what's right for your organization and what's right for your culture as well. And build a network, like things like LinkedIn, Twitter, they're great for connecting with other workplace professionals. Many of them are going to be going through the same thing and going on the same journey right now. And I think this really helps give perspective and helps ground you because it can be challenging. Like it's, this is not an easy problem to solve. It's inherently complex. And then I think my last point would just be like, don't rush. Like Rome wasn't built in a day. Not everything is going to be perfect day one. Be prepared to MVP, iterate and go again. Think lean startup and run your workplace like a product. Darren, that's a great way to end this podcast. What a hell of a statement you just made. And just the other day, somebody was asking me, do I think that everybody should be a work from anywhere company? And what happens if some people don't want to work from home? And my answer is talk to your people, talk to your employees, ask them questions. You guys are doing it. You're asking, doing the surveys, then you're monitoring with the data to understand the actual in practice use. So kudos to you. Hope everyone's been taking notes. Now it's time to move into our quick fire round and everybody knows how this goes. Quick questions, quick answers. And the first one for you, Darren, is who inspires you in this whole future of work conversation? Yeah, that's an easy one. That, that has to be Andrew Farah. He's the uh, CEO of Density. Yeah, I just love his philosophies and uh, his approach to leadership. We'll give a shout out to him in the show notes. Uh, the second question is, what sort of podcast or media do you consume to stay up to date with the latest industry trends? Yeah, I'm really bad. I don't read all that much. So audio is key for me. And I'm a big fan of YouTube. I will just literally listen to various recordings, various like summaries of books, out walking the dog, headphones in, and away I go. So that's my favorite approach. Excellent. Now, my last question is totally unrelated. Where is your favorite holiday destination? I have to pick this one and be slightly biased. My wife's half Icelandic, so I'm going to have to go with Iceland. Beautiful country. It's it's stunning. It's awesome. Yeah, that's got to be it. Just a couple of months ago, I was having a chat because with all the lockdowns and this and that, we, we couldn't visit certain countries. We didn't do this, but we tabled because both myself and the client could fly to Reykjavik because there was no restrictions there and we could go back to our home countries. We talked, we tabled going to Reykjavik to have lunch and have a business meeting and then come back. We didn't do it. The wiser elements got to us and we said, no, we're not going to do that. The problem if you went to Reykjavik, you never want to come home again. There you go. You've heard it there. <laughs> I need to take advantage of those flights over to New York where they have the, if you fly Iceland Air, you can stop in Reykjavik for a day and it's quite cheap. You can, yeah. You can chill out in the blue lagoon in between waiting for your connecting flights. That's got to be it, right? Sounds amazing. Well, Darren, thanks so much. Where can people find you on social media? Where do you want them to go? Yeah, hit me up on LinkedIn. I think it's the best place. Yeah. Drop me a uh, connection request, send me a DM, like happy to chat to anyone working in this space. Brilliant. We'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. And uh, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to continuing our conversations offline. And everyone listening today, thank you for listening. Until next time, take care of yourself. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And remember, fortune favors the bold. Drum roll, please. P.S. If you want to find out about future-proofing your portfolio, head over to newflex.com. This podcast was produced by a podcast company. If you'd like to find out how we can help you with your podcast, simply email jason at apodcastcompany.com and check out our website at apodcastcompany.com.